what exactly are we uh, looking at here? Um, Is it the Frank or the beans? Right. Oh, I, 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 I don't know. It looks like I think it's a little bit of both. Break some beans! Break some beans! What's that bubble there? What do you think? It's a. Well, how the hell did you get the beans above the Frank? Welcome to Double Impact, the podcast where we double back on the movies that impacted us growing up as 90s kids and decide whether they hold up today or are best left in the past. I'm Tristan. And I'm Greg. Um, We're rocking late 90s again. Yeah, we're only one year earlier. Winding it back one year earlier to 1998. Yeah. Something about Mary, another comedy. Wait, Two Hands is meant to be a comedy. That's a black comedy. We didn't talk about that much, but it wasn't very funny. Yeah, I don't remember laughing at it. Yeah. I think I, oh, Shoddy's a good mate, it's funny. Uh, yeah, but something true. about Mary could not be fooled for anything else other than a comedy, you might say. Agreed. Agreed. Or a love story. So 1998. 1998. Always good to give a bit of cultural context to, you know, set us up. What was going yeah. on in the world? Immerse us. A decade post-expo, you know, how has the world changed? Ten years on, yeah. Indeed. Well... You would be forgiven for thinking that something about Mary was the biggest semen story of 98. Oh. <laughs> and normally it would be, but. And any other year. 1998. <laughs> any, any other year. It's the lead <laughs> semen story. But maybe it was riding the wave of semen, so to speak. You know, it was the right time. It yeah. Was, it was well, culturally relevant. It was relevant. definitely on trend. There was, mm. It's all anyone was talking about. <laughs> And that is because of the biggest semen scandal in history. That's right. I'm talking about the blue dress. That blue dress. Gargle in the White House. <laughs> the old in the yeah. Monica Lewinsky and and I was going to say George Clinton. <laughs> George Clinton definitely would have messed up a few dresses in his time. <laughs> Oh, and he was in Parliament, so... Whoa! Oh, yeah. So, look, we don't need to go uh, too deep on the Lewinsky scandal. Obviously, um, it was a big deal at the time. Uh, Mm. There was an impeachment trial for Bill. Yeah. Because he lied about this under oath. Because his definition of sexual relations. Yeah, give us a... I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Not bad. But he did. But he did. But you know the technical. So, you know what he said, right? Nah. Because te- sexual relations, he defined that as you know, PP and VJJ, uh, which he didn't do. So technically, the... that's how he said that with a clean conscience. Oh, well, does that work like for everyone? <laughs> well, I don't think it really worked for him. <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends what you mean by it. So it was an all-encompassing story. By Time Magazine's count, there was 2,345 minutes of the CBS, NBC and ABC evening newscasts Ah. between 22nd of Jan of that year and Feb of the next. That's a lot of of minutes. Yeah. And he came out of it relatively unscathed. They love him. Yeah. And she, she didn't. So I actually saw her speak a couple of years ago at a at a marketing conference, mm. and she was speaking on that she she's an advocate now for um, 
overcoming social uh, social media bullying and that sort yeah, of thing. Right. Yeah. Um, and talks. I mean, ninety eight was very early days for the internet, but um, you know the amount of abuse she copped. Yeah. Um, apparently was pretty phenomenal. Yeah, and it's interesting. Like even just the way she was the bad guy, kind of like she mm. was. Oh. And he was just a boys will be boys. Yeah. Vibe. She was an intern, man. <laughs> exactly. Like if that was 20 years later. Shit. Yeah. Imagine if uh, the Don pulled yeah. one of these. Yeah. So, yeah. So, the um, you know, we're going to talk today about the second biggest semen story of 98. <laughs> <laughs> man, 98. Big year for semen. Big year for movies too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we've only done 98, 98 once before, so I'll... I'll, I'll give you a bit of the flavor of the year. Armageddon, Godzilla, Disney's Mulan, and Dr. Doolittle, Shakespeare in Love, Deep Impact, hashtag Lost Tapes, uh-huh. um, Rush Hour, which we've covered, The Truman Show, I'd love to cover, Enemy of the State. But do you know what movie came in at number four in 1998? None other than There's Something About Mary. What a coinkydink, the movie we're covering in this very episode. Mary. There's just something about Mary. So it came out in July 1998, budget of $23 million with a return of $369 million, which is pretty bloody massive. Like I said, number four movie in the world globally, which you know, we've talked about this before. Often these, this type of movie doesn't get mm, top 10 action a lot these days. If it gets cinema release at all, like this is this is probably almost a Netflix movie these days. What isn't? But a different time, a different time. Mm. Critics are critics are raving. Critics were raving, and actually, don't let me forget this time. I do have a little clippity clip from the movie show with David and Margaret. Oh, amazing, <laughs> David! I keep finding them and forgetting to use them in the show. But I've stop it. Just stop it. I've got it. I've got it. Hey, can I just give a quick uh, quick mm-hmm. reminder that on the home front, we've got uh, the the babies and Lola has um, recently developed a love for screaming. So we will have some, I don't know if you can hear that. but My situation is not dissimilar. Um, my furry boy, uh, Seymour, is about <laughs> to be, uh, R is about to leave and leave old Barky Bark behind. And he, yeah, he's become very vocal lately. Ah. Uh. He's found his lungs. Yeah, we're, we're sort of halfway through training the barking situation, which it kind of makes it worse in the short term. It's hard. Yeah. So we've, we we've kind of unraveled but have not rebuilt just yet. So who knows what you're going to hear in the background tonight, guys. Good luck. <laughs> anyway. Good luck. Um, critic score on Rotten Tomatoes for this one was 83% with an audience score of only 61%, which, again, this is fascinating. A, Fascinating. Recurring trend. Reoccurring, recurring. It's recurring. Recurring trend. Man, this one's that's a big surprise. That's a big Huge surprise. surprise. Huge surprise. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Um, but it was a it was a massive movie that year. Like cult, like box office, obviously, but even culturally, like it's so it was mm-hmm. so we we're probably just at the right age too, where like we we're probably just it was probably the naughtiest thing we could see openly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. it was a raunchy comedy. Did you see it at the time? Oh, big! Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this was significant. Um, yeah, this movie. This movie was a big deal. I think the quotes. I mean, 
so I'm many. I'm probably man. still rolling out lines from this and not even realizing it. Yeah, I've had a few of those. Twice last year. <laughs> like, you know, I've toned back the obvious ones and I think it's just more the little ones. But, um, yeah, look, yeah. I'm actually surprised this movie's that old. I don't actually recall what was going on in my, my world at the time of watching it. 98, it would have been in like year 11, second last year of high school. Yeah. But, I, man, I, I genuinely would have guessed this came out after I left school in that yeah, sort of it feels like it. 2000 to 2004 kind of period. Like I probably like I would have thought it was road trip era. When's that? When did that come out? That was a few years later, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. That was. I think I was in year twelve when that came out. Mm. So I would have been like year ten when this came out. The yeah, it was. Um, I don't think I saw it at cinema. I probably technically wasn't able to, but definitely DVD era. And I've probably watched it like every five years since then. Cameron Diaz was was a pretty big deal at that point in my life mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. obvious reasons. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, I think it was my first Ben Stiller thing. Oh, like okay. I'd, I'd yep. seen Reality Bites, but I didn't. It was my first consciously, oh, who's this guy thing. Like I only was realized it, so, afterwards yeah. that he was in Reality Bites, and he directed. Well, he Reality was a, Bites. he. Did he? Is this his first comedy? Uh, no, he'd done heaps of comedies. I got a bit. I got a bit of a backstory on him later. He did okay. a lot of um, like mockumentary style stuff. He okay. got on. SNL quite early and, yeah, he's got a really interesting little backstory there. And obviously mm. his dad is. I mean, is, uh, he would have been doing comedy in the kitchen from yeah. a young age. He was raised by George's the dad. great Jerry Stiller. Yeah. Are you telling me there's not one condo available in all of Del Boca Vista? It's a festivus. For the rest of us. Um, Matt Dillon, it was an interesting time for me and Matt Dillon um, because he kind of looks like he could be in my family. On my mum's side especially. Oh, yeah, my, he does. I got that a, a few times over the yeah, years. Yeah, I bet. But I would argue I don't actually look like him, but it looks like he could be in my family. Because my uncle does have a moustache like that too. So I'm on my, oh, the pencil moustache. Uh, not a pencil moustache, but a moustache. And in his younger years, he would look a bit like him. I think Matt Dillon's probably got more of a prominent brow. Yeah, he definitely could pass for uh, a family member. For sure. Hey, uh, the other thing I remembered from this movie is hearing the song in the credits for the first time, Build Me Up Buttercup. Oh. I hadn't heard it really before that movie, or if I had, I'd heard it like... It's probably in a like commercial. Not enough. Or yeah. yeah, and I was like, oh, I love that song. So I remember getting it on Napster and downloading it on Napster, and then it featured a lot of my playlists at the time. So you'd have like Ja Rule, right. <laughs> Ashanti, others... And then you'd have Build Me Up Buttercup mixed in. I got deep into Motown right after high school as well. So that's interesting because, and mine was because of Eddie Murphy Raw. Because it's got, it opens with that song, I know you want to leave me. Mm. Beg, please, for your sympathy. Yeah. So I went down a whole, yeah, Motown thing for years after that. Isn't that interesting? Um, this was in pretty high rotation, probably the most out of. Out of mm. any of the Farrelly Brothers joints, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's just got a bit of everything. So going Something into this, I, kinda, I I probably hadn't watched it for over five years at this point. So I was a little I was a little worried about how it might hold up. Like it's, in a, it's in a high risk genre, I would say. It is. And it's, yeah, as in a Farrelly Brother movie. Yeah, as in like a non-PC kind of comedy. Yes. You know, it's. It was pretty shocking at the time, wasn't it? Shocking. Can you shocking. believe it? Shocking. Can you believe it? 
Should I get into the origin story? I was just about to say, <laughs> why don't you give us an origin story? Well, I'll, that's exactly what I'll give you. Origin story. So, this actually wasn't written by the Farrelly brothers. Oh. It was written by a couple of guys in the late 80s. Uh, by the name of Ed Dector and John J. Strauss in their shitty little apartment. It was their first ever script. Mm. Interestingly, these guys would go on to be writers on Boy Meets World. Remember that show, Boy Meets World? Yeah. Yeah, so after they wrote this, a couple of years later, they ended up writing for Boy Meets World. You remember this shit? Did you used to watch yeah. it? Yeah, I did watch it. And there was yeah. a guy that looked like... Um he looked like Fred Savage. It was his brother, Ben Savage. Well, that explains it. <laughs> was it I really? used to love this show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he had a hot girlfriend. Topanga. Now Topanga. That's a, now, you know who gave her that name? John J. Strauss, writer of this movie, named her Topanga. Named her after the Topanga canyons which apparently is something over there which sounds sounds like a canyon name it's a good canyon name i thought it was a flower a flower (laughs) yeah but john j strauss and ed dector went on Mm -hmm. to just kind of stay disney so it's it's two extremes like they wrote this movie and then just went extreme disney and did boy meets world santa claus 2 and santa claus 3 and the lizzie mcguire movie there's a few deviations in there of non-Disney things, but, I mean, the bulk of it is that kind of stuff. Fascinating. Fascinating. But anyway, Not even before, Tier 1 Disney. Not even Tier 1 Disney, exactly. But I'm sure there's still plenty of money in that. Mm-hmm. But, like I said, before all that, just a couple of guys in a shitty apartment writing a script, they were friends with um, Bobby and Peter Farrelly at that point. So they were friends then and like, hey, do you reckon this script is funny? And they were like, yeah, it's funny. Good luck. And I think they ended up selling the script initially back then, which I think was like 88, 89. But then it never happened because, you know, scripts get sold doesn't necessarily mean it's going to get made. Yeah, that is, it's like uh, Harvey Weinstein buying up them. Yeah, them in exactly. his drawer, his fat cat drawer. Yeah, yeah, they buy it just to, so no one else gets it. Anyway, eight years pass and they somehow get the script back for whatever reason. I like to think it was over a game of cards. Yeah. All right, let's go with that. And um, they're chatting with Bobby and Peter Farrelly again who happened to ask, hey, whatever happened to that Mary script? Funny you should ask. They wanted to be in the merry business. There was something mm. about that script, you might say, <laughs> that really spoke to them. Because in the meantime, when that script first got written, the Farrelly brothers were doing nothing. They were basically, um, there was there were script doctors uh, over a few years, quite a while. Uh-huh. I've got a bit more on that later. But, you know, they were the guys who co- that would come in and punch up the jokes, making them a bit jokier. They were the joke yep. guys. Hey, you need, you need a couple of guys that can write jokes? That's us. That was yeah. their thing. But since then, they'd obviously made, while this, while this script's sitting over there gathering dust, they've gone out and made Dumb and Dumber, which I'm pretty sure they made off their own back because they wrote it. And we'll probably cover this in a Dumb and Dumber episode, but they had to basically get that made with a lot of hustle. I think they might have financed it. Oh, yeah, I forgot they did that. There's some weird thing there. But, yeah, Dumb and Dumber, that was their first one and that was massive, obviously. But then their second one was Kingpin. Kingpin. Which I liked. I probably don't like as much as this or Dumb and Dumber, but yeah. it didn't. It didn't do as well. And so, you know, Brother Hezekiah. Is, yeah, you're only as good as your last movie in this in this stink town called Hollywood. So, um, <laughs> they were a little 
they were a little bit like, okay, our third movie might be our last, so let's just fucking go all in. Let's do this merry mm. joint and let's make it fucking great. And they did go all in, you would you would say. This yeah. isn't a half-baked film. It's definitely not a half-baked film. And uh, they they really kind of took that original script and kind of translated it into their brand, I would say. Mm. Um, not that it wasn't funny before, not that I've read the original script, but the elements they added were things like the music, Mr. Jonathan mm-hmm. Richman, which mm-hmm. we'll on him later. Uh, the whole opening was a rewrite from them mm-hmm. um, because the the guy getting his beans and franks stuck in a zipper actually was based on a true story. Ah. So when they were teenagers, they were having a house party or something and one of their friends went upstairs to pee and then left and then years later... Peter and Bobby Farrell, his parents told him that his dick got caught in a zipper and they and his parents were doctors so they helped him but then sent him and they never told him because they didn't want to embarrass the poor kid. But they were like, it's a fucking great Fuck. story. Let's put it in the movie. <laughs> Frank, How good. I wonder if a kid got Frank and Beans. I wonder. Well, apparently he got it all the way to the top, yeah. Oh. But, um, yeah, that was based on a true story. They added Warren, mm-hmm. Uh, the disabled brother who was based on a friend of theirs named Warren who has a little cameo in the movie as well. We'll get into that a bit later. Um, but anyway, this thing's happening full steam ahead. They've rewritten the thing. They've made it funnier. They've made it probably a bit more hardcore in its in its jokey jokes. Um, but next comes casting. And there's some interesting precasties here, Greg. Mm, I heard a couple. Yeah. There's some Farrelly Brothers alumni in the mix here. So Detective... Pat Healy, who obviously would eventually be played by Matt Delon, mm. was there was Good initial discussions. Yeah, yeah, I think that's how he likes it, like Dijon. Delon, yeah, yeah. Um, Bill Murray, Bill Murray was in the mix there, but they decided he was probably a bit too old. I yeah. respectfully disagree. Although, actually, it's good to have Matt Dillon in this role because if he wasn't in this role, I don't think I would be a massive fan. I think, but Murray might have been a bit old. But that kind of adds to the charm too. Yeah, but he. I don't know, maybe a little harder to believe. That's all right. He he works with Matt Dillon later in um, Wild Things. Wild Things. And that's kind of the vibe you thought he would have brought to this. That yeah. Yeah, slippery. exactly. Exactly. But they also spoke to Hank Azaria, Man of a Thousand Voices. Ah, um, I would have liked to have seen him. Yeah, that would have been good. He, oh man, he's one of those guys. I, want him, I wish he was in more things. Mm. Not that he needs it. I just want it. Yeah. Yeah. He is legitimately one of those guys ever since I was a kid. I'm like, I wish I was friends with him. He's, he's, he's special. Just, he walks into The Simpsons at like 25 years old just to do Mo, I think, like just as like a small thing. <laughs> and then it just expanded from there. Like, so good. Bless. Yeah, bless. Sorry. Continue. What else have we got? Cuba Gooding Jr. also in the, in, the, in the mix for that same role, as well as Vince Vaughn, which actually would be pretty sharp, wouldn't it? That would make perfect sense. Yeah. I could all do it. I could all do it. I think it's though, again, I think the more we do this podcast and the more we, the more I start to realize what a creative choice it is to cast it. It's not just a functional mm-hmm. thing. It legitimately mm. can change the movie. Like, cause there's unconscious meta things happening in the back of your head. Like the fact that it is Matt Dillon kind of makes it funnier, I think. Versus if you got someone who's already, we talked about this. What, what were we talking about it on? Maybe um, Naked Gun, like getting someone known for serious stuff to do comedy. Well, yeah, that was certainly the Leslie Nelson Naked Gun story, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. So it kind of, 
it's one of those things where the fact that it's Matt Dillon somehow makes it funnier. Um, now that was that was all for uh, Detective Pat Healy, obviously, but for Ted, our uh, protagonist here, they wanted Ben Stiller from the start. Yeah, but the studio was like, "Who? This guy? We don't we don't want this guy." So they did a search. They went out on a search and they found Owen Wilson. Wow, wow. Also a relative nobody that at this point, but. And then taking that back to the studio, they were like, oh, no, yeah, we don't know him either. Okay, go with Ben Stiller. At least we know his dad's funny. <laughs> exactly. He comes from good people. Um, John Stewart was also in the mix apparently. Mm. Pre-Daily Show. Uh-huh. Um, and then Chris Farley was also in the mix as a potential Warren. That's right. And in a sad twist of fate, he died that year anyway while oh, they were in production. Yeah, so, right. So it wouldn't have... Obviously, mm. I think that's the wrong casting choice anyway. Because I don't know if he would have played it right. So I think the guy that plays Warren plays it relatively straight. Yeah, kinda. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, and it was always it was always Cameron Diaz. Yeah. Good. Good. Uh, anyway, that's the origin story. They got those people and they they filmed them. And they filmed the cameras them. and such. <laughs> they filmed them. Bish bash bosh. You got a movie. Yeah, it's it's a rap party at the Viper Room. Exactly. Anyway, let's play the trailer. Hit it. Are you going to the prom? I, I don't, yeah, I think prom. Because I thought maybe um, dumb. we could go together. Oh, you're going to go with like a bunch of people? or? <laughs> like, yeah, you want like a designated driver, right? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you and me, we could go together. <laughs> when I was 16 years old, I fell in love. Oh, no, I, no, no, I was It was definitely love. I want Mary again. I mean, crushes don't last for 13 years, right? He couldn't help it. Hi, it's Ted. I haven't seen you since, uh, since... Senior prom. <laughs> I, uh... How's everything? Oh, that's fine. Strong like blue. <laughs> and he couldn't explain it. You hired me to find your girl, and I did. And then the truth is, I, I started to like her. Because there's something about Mary. She's still a fox. Mary's a fox. She's a fox. When a guy who can play 36 holes and still have enough energy to take me and my brother to a ball game. This year. It's too bad you don't live here, Ted. 20th Century Fox presents. If Puppy likes him, then you got yourself a keeper. I'll slip that pooch a special treat. He doesn't like anybody. He never usually likes guys. A new comedy. Come on, boy. From the Fairley Brothers, directors of Dumb and Dumber and Kingpin. Would you like a little clam dip, doll? Whatever. Cameron Diaz, Matt Dillon, Ben Stiller. You okay? Hell is wrong with you. All right. There's something about Mary. Are you the little guy making all that big noise? Huh? Not a bad trailer, but uh, Greg, I feel like we require your services to, to break it down a little further for us. What exactly went down in this movie? Sure thing. Look, something about Mary, it endeavours to unpack what it's like for that girl we all know, the girl who just seems to attract weirdos. 
<laughs> yeah. Mary's the most popular girl in school. Her looks could be straight from the catwalks of Milan, blended in equal measure with country girl next door charm. Mm. Her personality is infectious, with a sense of humour and a list of interests that was seemingly conceived and scripted by a man. Or not one man, by two men. Oh, kind of by four men. By four men, <laughs> as it turns out. So four men got their heads together and crafted their <laughs> and idea crafted of it. Weird science. She's a real yeah. weird science number. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yet despite her perfection, Mary is unlucky in love. Her first boyfriend, Woogie, a valedictorian jock who juggles his responsibilities at Princeton with the Euro summer fashion schedule as a male model, turns out to be a grade five stalker, resulting in her moving to Miami and changing her name. And from there, it doesn't get much better. Her other list of suitors. Pat Healy, a private investigator who farts in her face. Norman <laughs> Phipps, a pizza delivery boy who fakes to be an architect. They all fake to be architects. Brett Favre. Some weird old man that banged Magda. And of course, Ted, a battler. Yeah. So ultimately, it is a love story. Between Mary and a heap of very weird dudes. Yeah, including two teenage Tristan and Gregs. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, well, how was the rewatch then? Uh, it was good. Look, I uh, I fell for Mary all over again. Yeah, something about it. The, the hives came out. Yeah. I've been stealing <laughs> shoes. When you scratch them out. We watched it with Carol and Carol's like, what's that on your face? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, this is still a very sweet movie for me. It's it's nice. I think there's something innate, innately appealing to an average Joe like me and many others when they uh, see a battler like Ted pull a bird like Mary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It warms 100%. the cockles. <laughs> it's also... <laughs> Of my heart. <laughs> I didn't realise what I'd said there. As usual. <laughs> I don't know, they say it warms the cockles of my heart. I never, I'm not familiar with the meaning of, well, the, I don't know what it means. The, I, don't, I don't know why they say cockles. <laughs> anyway, um... Yeah, I got I got a similar thing with this movie. I th- yeah, I uh, there's something about Cameron Diaz for sure. Less so in a creepy way now as a adult. Yep, slightly, but a lot more appreciation for her than. Yeah, I, I think I think I thought I didn't like her or something. I think I got a bit like, oh, Charlie's Angels, like, and also you know every time. You start researching someone for this podcast, you fall in love with them again because you realize, well, not always, but often you do. You realize what a person they are and you're like, oh, I like this person. This person's like, a woman. Ah, yeah, She's one of those. This person was amazing. What a legend. And in this, she is, yeah, just like Flowers. pure. Yeah, she's just got that great pure charisma thing going that, you know, there, there's always those ones that win us over, right? They've got that something. They're just like that good energy. X factor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'd say a lot of them, most of the cast has – you know, varying levels of that same kind of magic. There's just like great energy throughout this movie. 
Yeah. And I think it's a deep cast. Deep. It's a deep cast. We could spend the whole episode talking about the cast. Like there's so much there. And um like yeah, in the rewatch, my first note was like, oh, isn't this movie just a breath of fresh air? It's so delightful from the outset. Mm. Obviously contrasted with horrible, horrible things happening and like really non PC jokes, but it's full of heart the whole way, which oh, I think makes it so much heart. That so much cockles. Tasteless and heartwarming. I think um, Ben Stiller said that. It's like the the perfect Ooh, mix like, of both good. of those things. Yeah. I could see you rolling out a line like that. That's a that's I had a, I had a, a line like that and then I heard him say that and I was like, Yeah, it's better. Yeah. Um But my my version of that was sort of like it's a bit like a cartoon. A, a live action cartoon. But <laughs> yeah. Um, but but the two extremes of cartoons too. So like the the obvious um, tastelessness air quotes of something like South Park mixed with sort of the fairy tale magic of a Disney movie. Like it's got both mm. of those flavors to it, which is pretty cool and rare. Rapunzel like and think, Stimpy. Yeah, it's yeah. It's got like those two opposites coming together. I like that. Yeah, I think it's got a lot in common with South Park, which I'll get into a bit later. Um, I was also thinking because I'm always looking for this kind of movie to watch, just like balls to the wall, stupid comedy. Yeah. But it, but you can very easily make terrible movies in this genre. Like most of this genre is terrible movies, but when they get it right like this, it's my favorite kind of movie. Mm. It's uh, it's easy viewing, but if you don't feel like you're wasting two hours because it's actually you can respect the craft in there as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know who who agrees with us? Mr. David Stratton of <laughs> At the Movies. Is it At the Movies or the Movie Show? I forget. At the Movies. I think there was I think there was both versions because they changed channel. Yeah. Now to the 30% and, and other non-Australians, um, David and Margaret are our Siskel and Ebert uh, and they're fucking great. And I always keep meaning to like give them a bit more airtime on this podcast. <laughs> Not that they need it, <laughs> but more just because I think they're fucking great. And yeah, here's, we haven't here's surfaced David. our love for them. As Enough. frequently as as uh, the love, I think we demands. refer to them. But then, if you if you don't know who they are, it's a bit all over the place. But he, here's David Stratton. Now, if you don't know who he is, picture like a pretty old guy, grey beard, very conservative looking. But he's actually a fucking legend. Like he was rallying for anti censorship kind of shit back in the day, and like all that kind of stuff. But anyway, he loved this movie. Well, both David and Margaret loved this movie. But he articulates a similar thing to what we're saying here. Yeah, this is uh, what they call gross-out comedy, isn't it? And, and, uh, <laughs> I feel bad responding to it. Well, so I think this has been a general reaction. I mean, the, the fact that it's oh, probably the most so. successful gross-out comedy, because Welcome to Woop was trying for a similar kind of comedy and really didn't perhaps quite get there. But this, I think, just hits the spot, and mainly it's because the, the main narrative is really quite a sweet romance. I mean, th- th- these two... Guys, or more than two, as it turns out, yes. all of them after Mary. And Cameron Diaz is such a, a game actress. She's so great in this well, sort of central we're role. We're all really good sports yeah, in this. Yeah, that's right. I mean, really, the things they're required to do in this. The only danger about this film, I think, is that you really must go and see it quickly because otherwise you'll hear so much about all the jokes that they'll be a bit stale by the time you finally see them in the I context of the film. I don't think that's going to matter. I can't wait to see this again, to oh, tell you the truth. I'm looking forward to seeing it time. again, too. I'm giving it four and a half stars. Oh, I'm going to give it four. Four and a half from Margaret out of five. And feel validated that they said the same thing as us, which gives us some level of credibility, I would argue, 
Well, do you know what's interesting <laughs> is the, I guess, the time that they've reviewed that film because there was, you know, I'm probably reading between the lines a little bit and making some, joining some dots that mightn't be there. But mm, um, my favorite thing to do. Oh yeah, that's what we're all about here. Because um, I do remember as a kid there was a period where, you know, because the '80s comedies and early like. Well, right up into early 90s, there was some pretty special stuff coming out, even just the Saturday Night Live guys and all the things that they did yeah. in film were, were were incredible. And I can't remember if the mid-90s kind of dropped off a little bit. It's a good things, point. It was probably... They were busy making like the piano and shit. It may have been like between eras of like comedy styles or something. It just wasn't a lot doing maybe. I don't know. I haven't checked. But you know how like a, a bit like sitcoms up until Seinfeld, like there's a certain... Something becomes popular, everyone else copies that thing, that that wave gets ridden yeah. and then it's kind of boring until something new comes. I'm not saying this, like this may not have been the thing that brought in the new era, but it was probably part of that new era. The, like things like American Pie as well, obviously I would say not as good as this, but definitely like the rebirth of the raunchy, the raunchy comedy. Yeah. Because, you know, like our parents had porkies and that kind of shit. Yeah, huh? Uh-huh. And then there's the this like wave of raunchy comedy coming in the late 90s. So then yeah, it kind of adds up. Yeah. Well absorbed. I would say those dots are there. You're not imagining them. Well connected. Thanks. Your, um, you know, your affirmation and your positive feedback means a lot to me. Yeah. <laughs> what do you want to talk about next? <laughs> what should we talk about next? Well... I think this is the kind of movie where we need to um, maybe I'll play a siren here. That's the sound of the police. Because we need to like maybe call in the PC police to maybe take a little crime scene investigation here of how is this movie dated in terms of some of its non PCness? Because I had to, I caught myself and I had to check myself. Actually, this is the moral of the story. Were you en route to wrecking yourself? I was. I had to check myself before I would eventually have a wreckage upon myself. Yeah, yeah. I'm watching this movie, and like I said, my one, my first reaction was, "Oh, isn't this a breath of fresh air?" And then Warren shows up, and I'm like, "Oh no." Yeah. Oh shit! Am I gonna? Is this movie not gonna hold up? Where I kind of landed was, I think I was getting triggered a little bit uh, on on just feeling like I should be offended. On someone else's behalf, like I'm not disabled um, as far as I know, but you start to feel like, well, but he's disabled and it's a comedy. Like, is that cool? Oh, that's probably not okay. So I decided to look into it a bit more versus just doing that default. I'm offended on someone else's behalf thing. I decided mm-hmm. to actually do some research. I picked up a book. I don't know if you've heard of books. Yeah, um, and 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 none of this is black and white. I'm not going to say that. Therefore, this is okay or whatever. But the Farrelly brothers grew up with Warren, literally, mm. um, uh, like their neighbor or something, good mates, like legit mates. Warren has a cameo in it, like the real Warren has a cameo yeah. in it, um, the one that kisses Mary yeah. and she's handing out the burgers. So it's very much based on him. Um, not that that singularly makes it okay, but I think also like, you know, Ted's the butt of the joke more often than Warren is. Yeah. Warren is sort of the barometer for who's good and evil in this movie too. Mm. Like anyone that's mm. not nice to Warren is a bad guy. Yeah. And actually the, the ultimate thing that made me go, okay, shit, check myself before, yeah, I make a wreckage of thyself mm-hmm. was that they've actually in 2020, so does this hold up or not, in 2020 they received an award 
by the Ruderman Foundation, which is all about um, inclusion of disabled people in media, uh, they they received an award and recognition for how how well they do that. Ah, checkmate. Yeah, checkmate. As in, so, as in the Farrelly brothers or this film specifically? The Farrelly brothers because they've done it throughout their career. Yeah, that's right. So uh, I'll read a little bit of an excerpt from the article that talks about it, but the Farrelly brothers were given the award in recognition of their advocacy for the inclusive and authentic representation of people with disabilities in the entertainment industry. Uh, the pair have regularly included disabled performers in their feature films, such as their 98 comedy, There's Something About Mary, yada, yada, yada. Um, but it's so interesting because a lot of the press were giving them shit about Warren and in At other movies depiction of disabled, yet the actual disabled community were supporters. So it's like the perfect example of this bullshit we do these uh-huh. days of like, I think I should be offended at that, therefore I'll just be outraged just to be safe kind of thing. And you, mm. but I, I call myself doing it on autopilot, you know, and I, I don't think I'm an idiot, but it just goes to show how easy it is to, to slip into that default format. But there's some pretty good clips here of them talking about it. We grew up with a bunch of, for whatever reason, we happen to know a lot of disabled people. Uh, we were very comfortable around people with disabilities. So, you know, we have no problem putting them in. We know them and, and, and also people weren't putting them in. And what happens is there's a group called Media Access uh, in Los Angeles and they represent people, actors with disabilities. And we started getting, they started calling, hey, thanks for using these people. They were giving us awards and saying, you know, you're the only people that had a, you know, a mentally challenged guy in a mainstream movie and the only guy had a, you know, a, a handy a, a, a guy in a wheelchair in a mainstream movie. And next thing you know, we were suddenly involved in this group and we're going to their annual meetings and we're meeting all these people and suddenly they're looking to us saying, keep it up, please. So we kind of got in a position where we had a gun to our heads. <laughs> they were saying, if you don't do it, no one will. And we just thought, all right. So we opened our doors to them and we started reading. What I always tell people is this. I have never read a script where it says, the girlfriend walks in the room and in parentheses, uh, great eyesight. <laughs> you know, or the girlfriend walks in the room, you know, uh, she's uh, uh, excellent hearing. Right. And... Uh, Casting agents don't think to use people with uh, any kind of disability. They just don't. And we unless thought, it's in the script. The guy yeah, unless it's pointed out. And so all we did was say, okay, we through the media access office, when we cast a movie, we put the list out. And we're seeing people come in in wheelchairs, and we're seeing blind people, and we're seeing deaf people, and we're seeing all kinds of people. And you know what? Some of them can act. You know, they can act, and why not? That's the way the real world is, is a percentage of people who are disabled. So why not put them in? The only people who ever criticized us for that were the press. And we would get letters from people, like a lot. We get letters from people about something about Mary. The press said it was really, like I remember the Hollywood Reporter wrote, a guy who reviewed Stuck on You crushed us, saying our, our treatment of people with you know intellectual disabilities is, is horrible. And, and it, it was painful. I read that. I was like sick to my stomach about it. But you know what? We get letters from people. They say, you know, I saw something about Mary and I have a sister who's intellectually challenged and I saw your movie and I realized, God, I don't spend enough time with her. I'm inspired to do more with her after seeing Mary's treatment of her brother in your movie and only that kind of stuff. Just to round this out, the stat, the stat behind this is that 15% of the world's population have some form of disability and only 1.6% in film are represented as such. So, you know, we talk a lot about in these movies, representation of women, representation of races. The disability thing hasn't really come up before. So it's, 
I guess good on him. That's like one point for holding up, I guess. Respect. Yeah. Pioneers. Take take that. You gotta focus outrage where things are outrage worthy, not just Yes. Save it. You know? Save Channel it. your outrage. Channel it. Now, are you are you glad that you have two thirty something white men telling you about what you should and shouldn't be outraged at? Yeah. <laughs> anyway. That's the sound of the police. And then overall, just in terms of PCness, like obviously we're both fans of South Park. And I think this is very much in that kind of swim lane in terms of everyone cops a everyone cops a ribbing. Everyone cops it equal, yeah, because their whole thing is um, the South Park thing of it's either all okay or none of it's okay. Yeah, you know that. I think we've talked about that before. So I think it's got that going for it. It's got the heart going for it. And I think the final ingredient which makes this pass the sort of a PC test twenty two years later is that it's funny. Like there's a really interesting thing that Ricky Gervais says about offensive jokes. Basically that the more sensitive it is, the funnier it better be. Otherwise you fuck up. Because there was a joke, there was a joke that James Corden did quite early on in the Harvey Weinstein shit Mm -hmm. where he was hosting some awards thing. He's like, the weather's so beautiful here in Los Angeles. Um, Harvey Weinstein's already invited it up to his hotel room. Waka, waka, waka. And Gervais has a good, a good dismantling of why that is shit. Because it's well, it's not funny. That's the main thing. I mean, the thing about when you do a, a contentious joke or talk about a taboo subject, it's got to be a great joke. I wa- I do it, and I want to say to people, don't try this at home. You know, right? You can't just bounce out there and think you can do jokes about abuse and rape and it's fine just to joke about it uh-huh. that you've got to be very intelligent when you do it you've got to make sure your target is clear you've got to come down on the right side it's got to be a point to it so do and you think if when, and the more contentious the joke and the more emotive the subject the better the joke's got to right. be so i think the flat was because he bounced out and didn't do it particularly well. It wasn't clear he was going for. He did it like it was light entertainment. And uh, you know, if you're going to go after something like that, you, you, you've you, you've you've got to police it well. You've got to you know make sure it's clear. Otherwise, you're part of the problem. Do you know? Right. And and I think that's uh, so maybe the and he's not were... part of the problem. He's not he's not like that. But I think he just he didn't do it well enough. That's that was his problem. And and um. You, you've got to make your jokes bulletproof. You've got to make your jokes stand up um, to scrutiny from everyone, from every side, for forever, which is hard. So you better think about it. I don't bounce out there and ad-lib about those things. I work on those jokes. A joke is a piece of poetry. Every word matters, you know? Yeah. And you've, if you want to stand by it, you better make it good. Yeah. I love that, hey. How That's good is that? That's good. Because there's a few, like, I think the stunt, like, it's almost like stunt work analogy. It's like, it's, you, you have to don't try this at home. <laughs> Your version of this joke may turn out to just be blatantly racist and not funny. You know what I mean? Whereas they're very carefully and. Yeah. It also talks to, you know, plain old hard work. Like, he's, he's saying, I'm, yeah. these are crafted things. Then I'm not just out there just saying stuff. Yeah, like, yeah, I work yeah, yeah. on this. This is my craft, poetry. Yeah. I respect that. It's poetry, man. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's art. Yeah. Correct. Now, poetry has to rhyme. Poetry. You know that, right? Well. There once was a man from Enos. <laughs> That's my go-to as well. <laughs> there once was a man from Enos. <laughs> I said a man from Enos. That doesn't make as much sense. A man named Enos. 
Yeah. I feel like it's 70 minutes and we haven't spoken about semen for 60 minutes. Yeah, okay. Well, we better talk about it. We can just think about it. <laughs> I think the um, the Farrelly brothers with their, you know, the inclusion of disabled cast, the other thing with their car or their characters rather is they're all like super flawed except for Mary, yeah. but that's kind of, you know. The point. Yeah. The point. You know, like Ted's our lead here. He's constantly making fuck-ups through this film, constantly. And he's a yeah. bit of a battler, yet you're kind of rooting for him the whole time just because he looked after yeah. Lauren in the like like they they alluded to the or mentioned earlier the the easy win of of protecting the disabled guy because there's not a lot of t- there's not a lot of Ted that you should no really warm to in in reflection and the fact that he still wanted not that he's like a hero for this but you know he still wanted to meet her after yeah that was yeah um, exactly. I was saying yeah so there's, there's a few to little things going. sewed in there to go oh he's not a total he's not a bad guy. guy he's a good guy yeah. he's a good guy. Should we talk about Ben Stiller a little bit? Oh, I would love to. So he he's pretty epic, man. Like he was um, obviously grew up in a showbiz household. His dad's Jerry Stiller. His mother, oh, I forget his mother's name. Oh no, Anna and Mira. She she's shown up in a bunch of stuff. She she's been in stuff before our time, but she was also the in Zoolander. Watch out, she's got an egg. <laughs> she was the lady with an egg. Anyway, well, one of the so grew up in a. Yeah, grew up in a funny, funny household. And he's he's a bit of like a, a Donald Glover before Donald Glover. Like he was just a creative force from a young age. So he made his acting debut at the age of nine um, in his one of his mother's TV shows. He was like in kid theatre and like comedy groups and that kind of thing. He had a band. He was in a post-punk band named Capital Punishment who nice. recently <laughs> recently had a reunion and released an EP apparently. You got any photos that we can hit up the gram with of his Capital Punishment days? That would be nice. Probably. He was the drummer. Oh. Um, yeah, and then as he grew up, um, the band disbanded, unfortunately. Uh, but he started off with some like theatre roles and during this theatre phase he started making these mockumentaries and one that became his big break was a send-up of The Color of Money. Well, actually, this one wasn't a mockumentary. He was making a bunch of mockumentaries, but basically short films. One of the short films he made was a spoof of The Color of Money because that was the big movie at the time called The Hustler of Money and Ooh, very Zoolander-esque. Nice. And instead of pool, it was bowling. <clears throat> he was the Tom Cruise character. And basically it got the attention of SNL and with his permission they aired it as like a – I guess the equivalent of when they do the digital shorts these days. So they aired his sketch, his video on SNL. <laughs> that was in 87. Then by 89, he actually got a gig on SNL as a writer. Man, that's a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. That's a year before around, X-R88. Man. Like that is, that's ages ago. <laughs> ages ago. He looks pretty, oh, he's aged a bit now, but he's, he's always looked pretty good for his age. He's quite a fit dude. Sorry, continue, but yeah. yeah. He's always low-key fit. Yeah. Other than um, Tropic Thunder, it's never really a oh and oh, uh, dodgeball and, and the but, fat camp, the fat camp one. Have you seen that? Oh, because that's that's proto uh, dodgeball because it's basically that same character. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. What is yeah, that yeah, film? Yeah. Do you remember what it's called? Uh, it's on Disney Plus. Heavyweights. 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 Yeah, has it got yeah, Goldberg yeah. in it? I think so. And Jeffrey Tambor, who's in this. Ah. Oh. oh, that's written by Judd Apatow. And Stephen, yeah, Brew. ah, good sub, sub, subway, good segue, 
good jugway because he actually quit SNL because he wanted to make short movies and they wouldn't allow that on the show back then other than that one exception, which was his previous one. They weren't doing it then, so he quit. Yeah. He left SNL, which is... Sorry, what was the um, the deal there? Like they just wanted to keep them... We're, we're a live show, baby. Yeah. 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 Um, so he quit, which, yeah, which by any conventional wisdom would be seen as a terrible decision. Uh, but again, he's he's like a Donald Glover who quit 30 Rock. So he's got that same big balls energy. Damn, I respect that. Yeah, I respect that. And he made more shorts and then he made one with MTV, which led him to getting an ongoing kind of series called The Ben Stiller Show, which they, I think they did one season at MTV, then it got axed and he got to do one more season on Fox and then that got axed. But listen to the pedigree in there. Writers included Judd Apatow, as you mentioned. So they were they were mates from way back. Mm-hmm. Janine Garofalo, uh-huh. Andy Dick, who was originally supposed to be Mugatu. They were good. They're good mates. Bob Odenkirk, who friends of the show may know from Mr. Show, obviously, but also Better Call Saul, which Greg would have known because he's not part of the Breaking Bad universe. I know of it. <laughs> Greg's the only person in the world who hasn't seen Breaking Bad. Um. <laughs> He's obviously done all the movies we love ever, ever since. Like he had that epic era of late late nineties, early two thousands with Zoolander and all that shit. Like he was he was kind of a god in my mm-hmm. in my uni era DVD collection. You know, has he ever was, turned? Um, has he ever had a stab at the uh, uh, the craft of acting? Has he done any serious serious roles as an actor? Well, he he had a role in Reality Bites. He did the True. He was the, 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 he was the other guy. Yeah, he was the boring guy. Yeah, he did. Um, this is it. Secret Life of Walter Mitty. It's uh that was based on a short story. It's like it's quirky, oh, yeah. but it's a dramatic-ish yeah. role with with Barbara. Yeah, Royal Tenenbaums. Oh yeah, he's dabbled, and then Zoolander, obviously. Um, <laughs> Zoolander too. <laughs> Zoolander too, because that show wasn't funny. Whoa! <laughs> hey. Wow. Hey, speaking of cast, should we talk about the the person in, in in question here? That that Mary played by Cameron Diaz. Sure. You know she was nominated for a Golden Globe for this? Yeah, I did I did see that. Twice last year. That Twi- was crazy. Twice last year. I support it. Hey, she's quite interesting herself. Equally, if not more interesting than Mr. Oh, yeah? Stiller. She grew up in Long Beach, California, the LBC. It's known for a little bit of drama. Yeah. Um, she went to school with Snoop Dogg. She did. She was the year below, I think, or year above, one or the other, year below. Year below. Um, so she ended up signing a modeling contract while she was still in high school oh, at the yeah. age of 16. Makes sense. And actually, a bit like a bit like friend of the show, Dolph Lundgren, she spent a bit of time in Sydney in her youth. Did she? Yeah, just a few months. But she in 1991, she was in a Coca-Cola commercial that was shot in Sydney she did a bunch of other modelling too around around Sydney. Um, at the age of twenty one, just just a few years later, she auditioned for a little film called The Mask. Mm. She twenty what twenty one, twenty two in The Mask. Yeah, how about that? Eesh. She, she got started pretty early, huh? She was supposed to be in Mortal Kombat, apparently. Oh, she broke her hand in training. I, I assume she was supposed to be Sonya. Well, yeah, that or Goro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, special effects and such. Mm. 
And then obviously she had a really hot run after this. She had My Best Friend's Wedding. This was 98. Then being John Balkovich in 99. So she kind of showed range. a few different dimensions, some good range. She did the, the token, I'm pretty, but I'll, they'll make me look ugly in this movie, therefore acting. Acting. <laughs> which, is, which I think is why maybe I started to think I didn't like her. But, no, yeah, I dig her. She's, She's good. She seems like a, a good chick. I think specifically in this movie, this role – she does have. She just has that. She's just a ray of sunshine. <laughs> yeah, she's a ray of sunshine. Should be a good mate. She um, less so in um, any given Sunday, but we'll get into that when we do any given oh, Sunday. That's I right. guess. Actually, she plays a good asshole too. Mm. Yeah, she does do that. She plays. Yeah. That, she does that pretty well. Yeah. Hey, do you know who she was dating at the time of this movie? Yeah, Matt Delon. Matt Delon. Yeah. Pat Healy himself. They broke up soon after. I wonder if she just couldn't unsee the <laughs> the pencil mo and the big teeth. I forgot about the big teeth. That was oh, it's I mean so it's not subtle, good. but it's, it's so like funny. <laughs> relative to the rest it's kind of subtle. <laughs> ridiculous chompers. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty so fucking big. hilarious, man. I love it. I love that so much. Uh, For some reason. I don't know why that specifically. It's one of my favorite things. Um and then you got some smaller players. You got Chris Elliott as Woogie. Take my strong hand. Um, he pops up in all kinds of shit, doesn't he? He's always he does, and he's great. You haven't seen Shit's Creek yet, have you? Oh no, he's in that. Despite my frequent requests. Frequent. Yeah, maybe I'll watch that tonight. Tucker? Should we talk about Tucker? Tucker. Lee Evans. Yeah. I don't know a lot about him. Now, I think twelve percent of our audience may, because he's a pretty big deal in the UK. Yeah, apparently. Yeah, he's. I watched a few clips and he's. Yeah, he's funny. And I'm not. I'm not saying he's. He's not my kind of comedian. Yeah, he doesn't. I don't warm to him particularly. Um, what but about? He's got uh, like the highest selling comedy DVDs apparently. Yeah, in the UK. He's, he's some successful. There's some like feather in his cap around success levels. Yeah, or, I don't know. And he's great in this. He does that thing that I love. It's kind of an easy win, but I love it. Is like his his English accent. He's English, right? And his English accent in this is a bit exaggerated and like apparently they had some feedback of like his English accent sounded too fake, but obviously he's actually English. Classic. Classic. And it reminded me of, you know, in The Wire, remember when McNulty has to pretend to be English? I don't remember that bit. When did he do that? Yeah. So he, I can't remember what season, but he had to pretend to be English in some undercover thing. And he's Dominic West, the actor, is English. Mm. It's like one of my favourite like dumb jokes is like when the the actor who's actually English does a waka 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 mm-hmm. bad English accent in the thing. I've got a clip. Well, the further out of town, the more they believe. Less like a copy sound. You do any accents? English, British, Scottish, something like that. Quikey. I was looking to get a little hanky panky, <laughs> and this one bloke gave me this number to call when I got across the pond. And uh, we all had a good laugh. Yuck, yuck, yuck. I do love that day. I think his American accent was pretty good when he got found yeah. out. So it was good. Like Hello, I didn't Mary think he was Man. English in the Yeah. Like years ago I didn't think he was English. No. Hey, I tell you I tell you who I love cast wise in the yeah. smaller bits. I think my two two favourites. Mm. Mary's stepdad. Yeah, Keith, Keith David. David. Apparently most of it was improv. Most of his lines oh, were just in it's a it's yeah, I know you touched on earlier that it could be uh, a skit in itself. I, I totally could. It's so good. Every line he spits is, ah, love it. It's pure. 
It's so pure. And even just the cruelty of answering the door at the beginning. I know, I'm pretending to. Mary, Mary she left 15 minutes ago with a boyfriend, Woogie. Woogie. <laughs> but it's relentless, this opening part. Like the baseball, he tries to give him the baseball and the baseball disappears and he's like, what baseball? And it's just so, it's heartbreaking, everything that goes so wrong in every part of this scene. Oh, I love it. Carol didn't, doesn't like this either. She can't handle the cringe. Yeah, RH struggles with it. She was okay with this, I think, but she can't watch like the UK office and that kind of thing. Yeah, well, that's different again in some ways. Like it's that's more awkward because it's like a bit subtle. It's like oh yeah, this is. I think this is so outrageous that R is okay with it. Yeah, really, because yeah, Carol couldn't couldn't do it. She wasn't digging it, and I was like, like they yes and the shit out of it. Like when the when the police officer <laughs> comes in and then oh, they- <laughs> exactly, it's a skit. <laughs> We just gotta back it up. You've laid down the tracks. We just gotta back it up. You've done the hard part. Oh, it's so good. Oh, oh. It's so good. So let, let's we keep talking about some of the scenes because look, when we did um, Point Break the other week, yeah, it's one of those movies where it's kind of a summation of its scenes in some way because there's just so many iconic moments. Yeah. So I got I scribbled down a couple, a couple which we've touched on. Um, zipper incident is definitely one of them. Oh, it's up there. Which is the lines. Based on a true story. Based on a true zipper incident story. Yeah. Is the, is the hitchhiker based on a true story? <laughs> you heard of this thing, the eight-minute abs? Yeah, sure, eight-minute abs. Yeah, the uh, exercise video. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, this is going to blow that right out of the water. Listen to this. Seven-minute abs. That's potentially my favourite scene in the film from a comedy perspective. Actually, that yeah, that's the one you said before, things I still say today. Like that is still up there, Six, seven-minute abs. Seven-minute six abs, six-minute abs. Yeah. Seven's a number, man. Because that was all improv too apparently. Yeah, like, I this so. guy's in, you wouldn't have been scripting that. He, he's a Farrelly brother regular, but he um, they're like, yeah, you can't direct him. You just got to let him do his thing. <laughs> yeah, he's Harland Williams. I remember him from. That's him, half-baked. Half-baked, yeah. Yeah. He's the guy that goes to yeah. jail and just is, acts weird. He's a pretty, he's a pretty out there, out there dude. Yeah, yeah. And then the guy in, when they go to prison, uh, when he goes to prison, and he's in, yeah. you've got the angry cop. It's that, it's the bad guy from Kindergarten Cop. It is right. I forgot to look that up. Richard yeah, Tyson's yeah, yeah, his yeah, name. Yeah. Just these random. Trying to picture him with a ponytail. Semi-known yeah. people. Yeah. If we're talking about scenes, I guess we're going to talk about the hair gel scene, right? <laughs> we've got to talk about the hair gel scene. Um. On that, the notion of going out with a loaded gun, um, it's a very interesting subject. I feel like this, without going into too much detail, I feel like this did permeate within my social group at some point as an understood concept. Post this film? I guess post this film, but that might have just been coincidence. I don't know. I don't know if it's because of this film or just because of the age I was at. But it was known. Yeah, (laughs) it makes sense. It beats you over the head with its simplistic logic. What about when they're at the bar after they've gone? So she's she's put his jizz in the hair and it's a big lol. They're sitting at the bar yeah. and they're chatting and she's telling him, you know, they're getting on really well. It's really nice. It's kind of how the, yeah. it feels a very authentic and natural progression of the relationship. It's just that, you know, you're sort of getting to know someone sitting in a bar together, conversations running fluidly, Yeah, you know, sharing sharing information about yourselves. It's, it's very nice, very organic. Yeah. And then yeah. she's talking about, this guy and she's like, oh, it turns out to be a murderer, blah, blah, blah. Okay, you know, I kissed this guy, blah, blah, blah. 
And then he goes, oh, but, you know, like, did you, did you, you know, did you? She's like, what? He's like, and she's like, oh, no, 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 I didn't. No, gosh. But you don't ask a chick that, do you? Yeah, that's a good point. When do you ask a girl that you're courting, oh, did you bang that guy? I don't think you ever asked that. Yeah, good point. That's that's very weird. I feel like that's going to get you a a short night. Yeah, like it's kind of it's kind of none of your business, Ted. Like, <laughs> yeah, Ted. You know? Um, I'd probably back off with the creepy comments about asking you if she fucked her last she dude. She was saying, bang whoever the fuck she wants. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting one. Apparently, they both had apprehension around this scene in particular. Yeah, like, I know he um, did. I didn't they, see if she did as well. Uh, for slightly different reasons, he didn't want it. the the scene of him actually producing said semen uh, was was the one he was a bit funny about. Is like really like this can, this is embarrassing. It's gonna yeah. Look, I could do without seeing um, Ben Stiller's orgasm face again. Yeah, yeah, but it was pretty funny. Man. It's great. It's it's it just fit, it fits in the movie. They've got that funny race, the, yeah. the sort of Benny Hill style music when he's. Yeah, the music helps. He's got the um, he's got the black and white lingerie. That's the bra ad. Yeah. <laughs> Porn has come a long way, right? This is uh, pre-internet, folks. Pre-internet. Sort of. Um, Cameron Diaz had a similar thing where on fir- at first on paper she's like, yeah, yeah, of course, and then on the day she's a bit like, fuck, are we sure about this? Because is it going to make my character look stupid? Is it going to make me look stupid? Like she's up and coming at this point. Is it going to mm. you know limit her career and that kind of thing? Which is all fair. But I think the, the the outcome of both of those scenarios were just like fuck it, let's just go all in and try it, and if it doesn't work, yeah. They did they shoot they did they shoot another scene? Did they do an alternative? I think they must have done an alternative. I think they did yeah. an alternative. I think they must have. Them and then yeah. they're like, yeah, that's no, all good. Yeah, yeah, and, and she yeah she plays it so straight when her hair's all yeah, it's, <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty straight. good. I think also the scene um any anything with her roommate was. The older lady. Oh my goodness! I forget the character's Special. name. Special, but smooching the dog—that was just that kind of just <laughs> happened in the moment. That was just unplanned magic. The speed scene is just uh, incredible. Yeah. I love it when he goes, "Oh, what sort of dogs?" Because he hears the dog banging. He's like, "Can you get can you let the dog out?" Yeah. He's like, oh. "It's like what sort of dog is puffing?" She's like, terrier. <laughs> <"Porter> terrier. <laughs> she's so high. She's like, <laughs> "Porter terrier." I think she's in all their movies. She is. And yeah. Apparently, she was only like in her forties then, or something, or late forties. The uh, Do you remember she, um, she's she's not the first. Isn't the first time we've covered her. What was she in? She was the mom in Nightmare on Elm Street. Ah, no. Was it the mom? Oh no, she was a teacher. Oh yeah, she was a teacher. Yeah, yeah. Lynn yeah, Shea yeah, yeah, yeah. is her name. That's right. Yeah, Lynn Shay. She's become like horror movie royalty because she's. She's in all of the um, Insidious. The insidious. Yeah. yeah, she's in all of those. She looks quite different. <laughs> she has a, an unsettling presence. Um, none more, more so than um, Kingpin, though, I would say. I can't remember in that. What does she do in she's that She's the one? landlord um, where <gasps> Woody Harrelson lives. Yeah, that's right. It's gross. Oh, yeah. She's great. Oh, she would have been even terrific. younger in that. That's funny. Yeah, she's great. She's great, great, great. Hey, Tristan, I don't know about you. I just find in today's cinema, we don't get enough plot updates via a fourth wall breaking two piece band anymore. Yeah, like a chorus. Is that like a Greek chorus? Is that. I think, yeah. I th- well, it's definitely, it's, it's definitely a classic approach. I would welcome it. I would welcome it 100%. Mm. 
I love it in this movie. It's little sprinklings of sunshine whenever he shows up. It is a sprinkle of sunshine. A post-rain, a post-day shower sunshine rainbow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe a double rainbow. So um, the main dude is a man named Jonathan Richmond. The other guy, Tommy Larkins. I believe he does the music more generally on these movies, but Jonathan Richmond was front man for a a proto-punk band in the 70s called The Modern Lovers. Ah, good. But now, or not now, even in the 90s, Post that, he, his music was basically what you see in this movie. He does like this really delightful mm. sort of... Um, Simple chords. Pre- yeah, but he's quite technically talented too. It's a little bit like Flight of the Concords, but less overtly funny mm-hmm. and more just really lovely and happy. <laughs> like there are jokes in there, but they're not like over-the-top jokes. They're just like quirky, I guess, quirky. Mm. Here's a performance of his on Conan O'Brien in 94, which is very much in line with what you see in this movie. Mm. Well, the welfare gal and a drunk galoot and nobody wearing a three-piece suit. You meet folks this way, you'd never see flying. You take the plane, but I'll take the bus this time. The welfare gal and a drunken swain, folks, they don't let on the plane. The mother screaming and the baby crying. You take the plane, but I'll take the bus this time. Where it's Salt Lake City, everybody off. Salt Lake City, everybody <laughs> off. Elko, Wells, and Reno down the line. You take the plane, I'll take the bus this time. But Jonathan, you're crazy for taking the bus. Okay, I'm crazy, so what's the fight? Yeah, but look, Jonathan, this is not funny. Three old days on that bus. Yeah, and I sleep fine. I sleep, no, just like that. You take the plane, I'll take the bus this time. <laughs> that song goes on for a bit, but then, um, so he seems to like he's on Conan a lot, and Conan always interviews him after, which I think is a sign of, um, I like this guy. Yeah. And yeah. it's just really weird. So I'll, I'll play a bit of the interview because it's just super interesting. I'm here with Jonathan Richmond, that was a great song. Thank you very much for playing that for us. Thanks, Colin. <laughs> You're yes. welcome. No, wait, no, wait, I got it wrong. S- say thanks again. Uh, thanks for playing that song. You're welcome. See, I said thanks. That's not the response. I'm supposed to say you're welcome, see? Ah, yeah. I see. No, that's good. I'm glad you corrected me. Yeah. That was uh, very important to do. No, I, I, I corrected myself because you said your part right, but I goofed up my part wrong, see? Yes. <laughs> he and I have this synergy. Anyway, you get the idea. He's a bit weird off-tempo kind yeah. of thing. <laughs> He's kind of like a kind of weird um, Jeff Goldblum type of energy going on there, which I enjoy. I always enjoy. All the comments on all these videos are super fans. Like he's got this community of like whenever I'm in a shitty mood, I just listen to Jonathan Richmond. He always brightens my day. Like he's got this and it is delightful. I, I might listen to it when I'm feeling down. I feel like he um, has a, a very calming face if, yeah. if there's such a thing. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he was one of those ones that sometimes in this podcast, a little delightful discovery. He's a delightful discovery that I'll be taking with me through life. Through life. Yeah, he's an interesting fella. Hey, we mentioned before there's a bit of a Seinfeld connection to this movie with Ben Stiller's mm-hmm. dad being Jerry Stiller, being Del Boca Vista. <laughs> uh, but did you know, if it sounds a little Seinfeld-esque, that um, Cameron Diaz and and Ben Stiller were waxing lyrical about um, not enough meats on a oh, stick. Oh, yeah. It, was, it felt very improv, didn't it? Like very sort of 
a bit Seinfeldian? Maybe. If it sounded a little Seinfeldian, that's because <laughs> it kind of was. The Farrelly brothers wrote a Seinfeld episode back in the day before they hit the big time. Now, the degree to which they wrote it, air quotes, is debatable. Um, they say that themselves. Like they pitched the idea. I think the story was theirs, but I don't think they wrote it in detail, which I think is similar for a lot of Seinfeld writers apparently. But the, the Virgin, the Virgin episode was theirs. Do you remember that? Jerry Seinfeld dates a virgin, the English chick? Uh, yes, yes, yes. Because that, that the next episode is then the contest, which is the big Is she also Daphne movie. from Frasier? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I always, um, had, I always quite liked her. Yeah, she's cool. But that's a pretty big deal. They wrote a Seinfeld episode like back in the day because apparently if you write a Seinfeld episode, you still get like 100 grand a year in like royalties or whatever from syndication and whatnot. Whoa, really? It's pretty good, yeah. So you only need to write one and then you're, you're all good. And then you're good on go. Gravy Street. Is that a word? Yeah. You're on a gravy train on a street. Gravy tracks? Gravy tracks. I don't know. Like George Street. Gra- Your transport is dripping with gravy. Light rail. <laughs> gravy rail. Gravy, <laughs> gravy bros. <laughs> gravy brothers. All right. Should we get into a verdict? Yeah. Or we do recasties in verdict? Yeah. We'll get into verdict and recasties. How about that? Let's do it. I don't know what to say, really. I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. I am the law. I'd like an answer to the question, Judge. I want to have them answered immediately. You can't handle the truth. What are you waiting for? Huh? Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. Nothing further. Your Honor. And that's all I have to say about that. I think for all the reasons said before, I, th- I think it holds up. Um, I was worried it wouldn't, but like I said, movies like this are high risk, but I think it's got a high payoff because it does have that nice balance of tasteless and, and heartwarming, consistency in the piss-taking and not being malicious, yada, yada, mm-hmm. yada, that, that, that South Park vibe. And I was thinking actually, not this isn't a repitch, but I was thinking this could work nicely as a musical theatre production. You, you've already got the you've already got the Greek chorus thing going. Oh man, you could have songs in that. there. This yeah, would be, be like a, be my second a bit Book of Mormon. Yeah, exactly. Should make it my second musical because Book of Mormon's kind of similar, where it's like outlandishly gross and crass and all that, but extremely heartwarming. Mm-hmm. So it's a similar mm-hmm. similar thing. Orlando, Orlando. Yes, I, yeah. The only thing I would add on the whole standy uppy thing would be if you didn't like it back then, you're not going to like it now. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Because it seems like it is a polarizing film in some regards. So Yeah. Do you have um, recasties? Recasties. Uh, what did I say? Oh, uh, look, Margot Robbie might be the obvious choice or Emma Stone perhaps. Well, so my recasties, were they all your recasties? <laughs> yeah, I didn't, do, I didn't do a bloke recastie. I just focused on okay. Mary. Who is the current Mary? There isn't one. That's where I got stuck because I was Uh, was like a few years ago. I think Margaret Robbie or Emma Stone could do it. Margaret Robbie solves it, yeah. But I had one, I said a few years ago it would be Jennifer Lawrence, a few years ago, not now. Um, Yeah, she's a bit too elitist. Yeah, Gal Gadot, maybe now. She has that air of Yeah, but she fucked it when she (laughs) sang that song. I was going to say that kind of ruined it for me. And then for... Um, ben Stiller's role, I think maybe Andy Samberg, and then 
Pat Healy, you got to take a heartthrob and make him goofy. So Ryan Gosling. Oh yeah, he's basically but that. Then, he, the, the guy he, he's done that role kind of with um, the the nice guy. Yeah. But yeah, just a yeah, bit, yeah. Bit, just a bit cheesier. Yeah, he'd, he'd do that very well. That's perfect. Yeah. But then I was thinking, actually, maybe the reason I'm finding it so hard to find a Mary is because the tables have turned slightly in this 2020 internet culture and lusting over men is such uh, much more of a thing now. So what if you reversed it? The, the Mary equivalent would be Jason Momoa. <laughs> Obvs. Right? Every, everyone loves Jason Momoa. And the Ted equivalent would be Emma Stone. Ah. So, so Emma Stone would Emma Stone would Oh, this is like Ghostbusters yeah. or Ocean's thirteen fourteen or the chick yeah, the, kinda. the chick the chick remake. But, yeah, but I want I think for a reason though, because Oh I think no it's, no, I'm supportive. I'm supportive. Yeah, yeah. Not like a token gesture. No, but, uh, it's because not the, token. the way the way the internet gets obsessed like with someone like Jason Momoa, it works pretty perfectly. Like he is this mad- magical creature that everyone just loves mm. um, and men have man crushes on him. Like it works nicely. So Emma Stone as the Ben Stiller type, Kristen Wiig as Matt Dillon, the detective. Oh, yeah. And I thought Tucker could still be a dude, so someone that has a man crush on him. Oh, nice. So, And I was thinking Charlie Day from Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Hor- Horrible Bosses. The guy is <laughs> always <laughs> this is good. This is one of your Cause, best. Because you can imagine him kind of like having that real man crush thing of like a, a bit like Zach Galifianakis, Zach Galifianakis does in um, mm. in uh, The Hangover with Bradley Cooper like that. <laughs> you know, it's you, you and me, man. Oh, this has got legs. I say we get but, it. We get it on paper. Let's fast track this one. And then I was thinking it's 2020. So actually a lot of the stalking would take place on Facebook, which means that Charlie Day's character would probably also be catfishing Jason Momoa as a chick. Oh, oh, nice, and then, good build. And then just to Some, then just to tie it all up, there's a script here. <laughs> instead of Bette Favre playing himself at the end, you have Lisa Bonet playing herself at the end. His real life wife, you know, it makes it kind of nice. Well, but he doesn't end up with Lisa Bonet. That'd be weird. Yeah, it was just funny. It's a comedy. Relax, guy. Um, <laughs> But it would be a nice little, ah, oh, see what you did there. Because it will be like, so, oh, my I'm, ex-girlfriend I'm Lisa. My ex-girlfriend Lisa. It's so easy to just say that. Because um, she's a fucking dreamboat too. And this is the one thing, you, you can't cast Zoe Kravitz in this because he's her stepdad. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, what about some of our patented evaluation tests? Did Simpsons do it? Uh, did they? Not that I know. Apparently they did, but it was just a very brief sight gag. So there was a movie poster. There's something about Mary Magdalene <laughs> in an episode oh, yeah. called Bart's Not Dead. So technically it's in there. Um, porn parody, it turns out there's plenty. <laughs> like, Is there? A lot. There's some discord, something about Mary. There's also something about Luna. And I, I decided to stop looking from there. <laughs> Bechdel test, unfortunately not. Um, special effects test, I think, yeah. I mean, some of them are goofy on purpose, <laughs> like the dog. I mean, those fake titties on the... the <laughs> That's the main the one, sun, isn't it? The sun-worn titties. <laughs> you know she still has those. Good. She has those, like, hanging in a window or something because she's a legend. Oh, I love it. But it holds up, let's be honest. Um, what about MVP? You got MVP? 
Yeah, who did I have here? Oh, I had I had um I had a split. I had a tie. Oh yeah? Betwixt whom? Um the couple of the film. Cameron Diaz and Matt Dillon. <laughs> yeah, I had Matt Dillon. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's awesome in this. He's so funny and he's so good, man. Like he's just this sharp. It's sharp. It's so perfect. He's so yeah. perfect in just this. Just the little lines it's... he the little lines versus the it's not overcooked, but he's this he's this massively over the top character, but he's not overplayed. And he's a horrible I... person. But he's still you still kind of like him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, um, yeah, he's perfect. great. He's outstanding. Yeah. And then Cameron Diaz, like I don't know, man. She, this role, she's just, she's pretty flawless in this character. It suits. Yeah, she suits the perfect chick character so well. Yeah, yeah, totally. Her dialogue, uh, yeah, great. And she just, I love her. She's got a goofy laugh as well, which is. Ah, uh, cool I noticed well. that too. Yeah, yeah. She's it's like <laughs> not perfect. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's endearing, but it's yeah. endearing. Yeah. How about? Did you have a low key? Uh yeah, the uh, what's her name? Um the lady. Damn it, I forgot her name again. What's Magda? Name? Yeah, Magda. Um Lin Shay. Yeah, Lin Shay. Or I had a low Keith key. David. I had well see, I had a low key of uh Woogie, Chris Elliott. Oh yeah, but then you've got six minute abs too. Yeah, oh. so then I had a low low MVP. This is a movie of low key MVPs, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I had a low key of Chris Elliott because he's not quite a man, but he's yeah, and then I had a low, low MVP. That was a tie between Keith David for that one. It was the one. It was the one scene. It's, and it was yeah. Keith David as the stepdad because that's just. I think I'm sure that's intro, that me introduced me to him, which was great. And yeah, the hitchhiker, same. what's his name, Harlan Davis, or whatever. Yeah, not that. Yeah, Harlan Williams. Um, those two guys got my low, low MVPs. Hundred percent. There's so many in here. So many. Oh. So um, get amongst it, people. It's an enjoyable. It's an enjoyable flick. Um, it sounds hey, like we both forgot to do six degrees of JCVD. So it's what it is. <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah, someone's probably been in a movie with someone else, dear. Hey, yeah. um, next week. Mm. Oh, what, yeah. what are we doing again? Something I was excited to do. Oh, Jerry Maguire. Oh, Jerry Maguire. Yeah, Jerry Maguire. It's also a love story. It's also a love story. All right, bro. Well, um, we will we will bid our friends of the show farewell at this point. Yes, hit us up on Instagram. Leave us a review mm-hmm. if you haven't already. Helps us a lot. Thank you very much. Um, but yeah, catch you later. Stay safe out there. Stay sanitized. Yeah, that is yeah. our COVID advice. <laughs> stay sanitized. Yeah. Stay sanitized. Mm-hmm. All right, bye. Da, 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 da.